0: A couple of years ago, Capitol Records had one of their artists that wrote a song called I Believe. So they decided to do a little project for him and for his song to promote it and to make a music video out of it. So they went into downtown Los Angeles and they constructed several walls uh, downtown, big walls with black paint on them. And all over these walls were the words, I believe, and then an empty space. And so for the purposes of filming the music video and for the purposes of driving the message home of the song, which I, after listening to it a couple times and reading the lyrics, I'm still not sure what it means. They wanted people to come and participate in this project, and so they invited people that were on the street and people that were around, and no doubt people that they had planned ahead of time to include to come and write and fill in the blanks on the phrase, I believe. And so I uh, decided to go and, and press pause on this music video a couple of times and to, to, I don't know if you're curious like this, but to see what people were writing in the blanks. Because like, like most music videos, you're focusing on the artist, the stuff that's taking place in the background is kind of a little bit out of focus and then they're giving you little snippets and snapshots of, of the lines, but you can't really read it unless you go back and stop and pause and look. And, and so I did this a couple of times throughout the video, and this is what I pulled away from it. I want to share it with you. This is what people in L.A. of all ages were saying in those blanks. I believe in random acts of kindness. I believe my friends. That's a tricky one, isn't it? Be careful there. We, we all have good friends, and we all have people, and we want to trust them, and we want to believe them, but I was reminded again this week that that is, that's a tricky one. That's tough sometimes, believing friends, or believing that someone is your friend. But I believe my friends. I believe everything. I want to hang out with them. I believe in soul mate. Don't you? Don't we all? It sounds so good. It's so romantic. It's so deep. I believe in keeping it green. Yes. Amen. Amen. I think I know what it means. I think I think that definition is different for everyone. I believe the universe is alive. Well, I do too. Don't you? but we probably believe it's alive for different reasons. And we probably disagree maybe on how it became alive. I I believe we should be ourselves. I I believe in choosing good. And then I'll I'll let my friend Pablo Pilpe translate this one. I might have uh, wrote it down wrong, the person that put it in the blank might have wrote it down wrong, but I think in Spanish, Luis, maybe I think it means something or supposed to mean something like I believe that beauty comes from within. Fair enough? Hey, I'm not as bad as I thought I was in Spanish. (laughs) Okay, I use Google Translator. It's fine. Thanks, Preston. Great. Had everybody thinking I was, you know, on the cusp of being bilingual here. But people know that better than that. These sound amazing. These sound great. Some of them, They say things about who these people are. I believe that belief and and what we say we believe in and what we say by saying we believe in something, that we stake our lives to it, that we uh, ideologically and emotionally and psychologically and intellectually say, I have placed faith in that thing. I think anytime you make that statement regarding whatever it is, then that says whatever you believe in says something about the core of who you are. Most likely, it says something about the core of how you feel about things, both moral and ethical and personal and relational. It might even say what you believe about how you feel about your physical being. It, it definitely, the belief and often the statements, if they are true of me and you and can be seen in life those statements most likely are seen in our behavior and in our words and in our relationships and if you're married in your marriage and if you have children the way in which you relate to and parent your kids. So the idea of what I believe in is this anchor often of how I live and control and exist in my life and in the world. And so when we make I believe statements, I'm not sure we we kind of address or consider the weight of which those statements will carry in our lives. And so when I say I believe in something, if I know in my mind and in my heart that by saying that, that something reveals the core of who I am, reveals something deep about me, and most likely reveals itself in my actions and in my behaviors— in the way I treat people, and go about life. If I know that when I say I believe, what I fill in the blank is going to probably take on more merit and more truth and more intentionality, and I'll be more serious about what I fill the blank in with. I'll be more uh, sober about what I tell people I believe in because it is so important to the core of who you and I are. So, We've already kicked off this series. We did that last week and did it in wonderful fashion. So this week, we're going to take another statement of the Apostles' Creed, another statement of just Christian people, people that say they were Christ followers, of which they came up with these statements so that they could memorize and be reminded of what they believed about their faith. And so we're going to address one more statement this week that I think is really crucial. The one last week is crucial. The one this week is crucial. And one in the weeks ahead is crucial because we need to understand as believers, you realize we're called believers. So an I believe statement is encompassed in who we are as people because people call us and we call ourselves believers. Well, what do we believe in? And why do we believe that? And, 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 if we believe in it and if we know why we believe in it, why and how does that take shape and control and empower my life? So a believer should know what he or she believes in. And so as we examine these statements, because they are so important and serious and truthful and and really, really takes on a major shape in our lives, I think we should break down. What we say as believers that we believe in. So this week, I am going to introduce another statement to you. It says, We believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. We just sang this. I believe in God our Father. I'm not going to sing, promise. Everybody tensed up. Everybody got really nervous. Don't. It's all right. And if I did, you you know, there's grace in here. Should be love. (laughs) I believe in Christ the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. Three in one. So we just sang this statement as a church. Isn't that cool? So before we get up here to look into the scriptures to see what it means to say I believe in Jesus Christ and who Jesus Christ is and what that means when I say I believe in him and what that should mean for me as an individual and as a family what it should mean for my life it's cool that we stood here together and hopefully we were cognizant and sang it so we believe in Jesus Christ we as believers say today we believe in Jesus Christ we He's God's only son. He's our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. We believe in Jesus Christ. I can't unpack this any better on the front end, and and could never on the front end, any better or or with any greater clarity than Paul does in Colossians 1. So as we kick off this idea of believing in Jesus Christ and who Jesus Christ is and what belief in him should mean for us, I'm just going to read Colossians 1, 15 through 18, to you, and we're going to see, and we're going to begin to feel, hopefully, and, and absorb what it means for you and me when we say, I believe in Jesus Christ. This is what Paul says in Colossians 1, verse 15. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we cannot see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. So when we say, I believe in Jesus Christ as a believer, I am saying and affirming and Prayerfully, through the power of His Spirit, who is three in one God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, I am saying and I am affirming, and prayerfully, through the power of the Holy Spirit, I am expressing the understanding and the knowledge and the power of knowing that this Christ is the visible image was seen by man as we just studied in John. John says, we were all eyewitnesses to this. And because we were eyewitnesses, we were all eyewitnesses. We are all witnesses. You guys remember the big billboard of LeBron? We are all witnesses. Well, that's what John was saying there for us. That to believe in Christ, to walk with him, just because we didn't see him with our eyes, they did. Christ gave them the power, and the Holy Spirit gives them the power to write the Scriptures, to relay to us, so therefore, we are all witnesses too. So, in the fact that we are all witnesses, that we are all believers, that we say, I believe in Jesus Christ, I am saying that Christ, this Christ I say I believe in, is the visible image of the invisible God. He is God. So, the visible image of the invisible God and Jesus Christ being God, he deserves a major first place in my life. He deserves my worship. He deserves the core of who I am. He deserves my activity, my behavior, my time, my margin, my work, my ethics, my morals, my principles, my activity. If we say I believe in Jesus Christ and I understand that he is the visible image of the invisible God and that he is God, that type of belief demands something of me. The Bible says he existed before anything was created. And watch this. He is supreme over all creation. He is, wasn't created. He is the creator. And he not only created it, he reigns supreme over it. He cannot be included in creation. He cannot be brought down to that level. He exists in his position above it. For through him, God created everything everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. Man, he made stuff we can see in front of us, and boy, isn't it incredible what we can see in front of us? Isn't it amazing the, the gift of sight and the gift of our senses that we've been given so that we can absorb God's creation? I've never ceased to be amazed when I go to the coast and, and when God gives me the ability to go to the beach. I love the ocean. I love the beach. There's something incredibly soothing about it. There's something incredibly therapeutic about being near the ocean and listening to the waves and, and, and feeling the breeze and feeling the air and, and just breaking away. Something amazing about that. And I never cease to be amazed at the way the tide moves, the way it comes in, the way that, that things are are situated in that particular ethos. I, I'm, I'm always amazed at, at how you can walk along the beach and you can see these shells and these animals that have washed ashore and all their intricacies. And you, you go back to like a little kid when you see something that's washed up on the beach and you don't know what it is. Me and Bonnie were standing there the other day and this large shell crab ha- had washed up on the, uh, on the beach and, and Bonnie was like, what is that? And, and, and these, these like little tentacles and stuff were sticking out of it and, and claws, you, know, you could barely see a claw and you're not sure if it's alive. So, so you know, you're trying to be a man and get down there but you're not sure because you're not sure how what's gonna take place. And, and I'm thinking, I, I think it's dead. I'm pretty sure it's dead. I'm not sure if it's dead. And, and we were like two little kids but two very afraid adults. This is how we looked at the, at the shell. Like, lean down, like about, but you know, got to get that space. And then when we realized it was dead, we kind of poked it a little bit. I had my camera with me, and I'm like, I'm not even brave enough or courageous enough to put my head down there and take a picture. I was, like, doing the camera like this so I could get a shot of what's inside that shell. And then finally we realized it was dead. So we're, like, down on our hands and knees, and we're looking at this. Why? Why are we doing this? Why has this taken two grown adults who've, who've seen a lot in our lives and reduced us back down to the curiosity of a little child? Because we are enamored with creation. It still, no matter how much we see it and how much we're inundated with it, it still blows us away, how it's been all put together and how it, how it looks. And then it should turn us back toward the understanding that someone who is greater and supreme over this Made this in such a way that not only makes me appreciate what I'm seeing, but it makes me appreciate him. He's supreme over all creation. Things that can be seen and things that we cannot see, such as the principalities and the authorities in the unseen world. I'll just kind of leave that there for, for all your imaginations to absorb. Everything was created through him and for him. So when I fill in the blank with in Jesus Christ, if there was this big black board up here and we had that fill in the blank, I believe, and we put I believe in Jesus Christ, according to the scriptures and according to the understanding of who Christ is, we would say, I believe he is God. And then we would say, I believe he is over creation. And the only one who has the residency of being over creation is God himself. And so when I say I believe in Christ, I say I believe in God, and I believe he is over creation. If you want a practical like uh, word picture of this, I remember uh, several years ago, I was in an interesting place in my own life, uh, was in ministry, was going through some challenges and hardships, and I heard the pastor John Piper talk about the sovereignty of God and his supremacy over creation. And this is what he preached. This is part of a segment of his message on the supremacy of Christ, and I want to read it to you so that we can all get the full picture from Colossians and from this about Christ's supremacy over creation and over everything as God. Because when I say I believe in said God and I believe in that God, then that should take on an interesting posture in my life. If I say I believe in a God who is over all creation, then that has implications for me in my life. This is what he said, if there's anything admirable, anything worthy of praise in all the universe, it is summed up in Jesus Christ. He is always infinitely admirable in everything and over everything supreme, over all galaxies and endless reaches of space. Over the earth from the top of Mount Everest 29,000 feet up to the bottom of the Pacific Ocean 36,000 feet down in the Mariana Trench in the Pacific Rim. He is sovereign and supreme over all plants and animals from the peaceful blue whale to the microscopic killer viruses. He is supreme over all weather and all movements of the earth, hurricanes, tornadoes, monsoons, earthquakes, avalanches, floods, snow, rain, and sleep. He is supreme over all chemical processes that heal or destroy, cancer, AIDS, malaria, flu, and all the amazing grace of antibiotics and a thousand healing drugs that we do not deserve. He is supreme as Abraham Kuyper said, there is not one square inch on planet Earth over which the risen Christ says, Mine, and I rule it, and I am supreme over it. We must know this Christ. So when we fill in the blank with I believe in Jesus we are filling in the blank not only with that short statement that means so much, but when we do fill in the blank with that understanding that he is supreme, that he is God, that he is over all, that nothing surprises him, nothing takes him off guard, nothing outranks him. He is supreme. Then when I make the statement, I believe in Jesus, can't I trust him with my life? Can I trust him with the challenges in my life? Can I trust him with that job that I lost and Can I trust that particular God with the struggles in my marriage, and can I struggle, uh, trust that God with the struggles in my parenting, and can I trust that God with my unfulfillment, and can I trust that God with the issues that I have in my family, and can I trust that God with the things I don't understand in the world, and can I trust that God with political unrest, and can I trust that God with things and violence and things that take place around me that I'm threatened by, and can I trust that God when I don't trust or believe anybody around me and can't I trust that God when my friends betray me and can't I trust that God, you see where I'm going with this? If I say I believe in Jesus Christ, the supreme, that he is God and he is over all creation and he looks at every square inch and says mine, I rule it, then can't he and don't you think he has the ability to be that in your life and in mine? I think so. So when you make that statement, next time maybe think about the the weight that that carries, not only for the moment, but forever. The second part of that is God's only son, our Lord. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only son, our Lord. I'm gonna read a very familiar verse, just to illustrate, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So this was prompted and given to us out of God's grace and out of his love for the world, for this universal understanding of people and, and, and for those who God loves and that he gave his only son. He wasn't coerced, he didn't have to, he didn't need to. He gave willingly and he desired that. He gave his only son only son. Does that resonate with you? How many of you in here have a son? A lot of of boys in this this church, for sure. Well, I don't have a son. I do have a a daughter. And I'm going to be honest with you. I would be hard-pressed to give her up for any of you, even though I can say that through Christ, I love you. But God in his great love and in his grace gave his only son. And I don't know what that would be like. And I don't know what that would look like. I know that I found out on February 1st, 2006. Because I lost my son. And I don't know what it must have been like for God who existed and has always existed in eternity past, in eternal community, in relationship with his son, to send him to earth, to have this uh, relationship that really, as it involves the Trinity, can't even quite understand with our human minds, can't get our minds and our, our thoughts around the Trinity. If you say, if someone says they understand the Trinity fully, I would either do one or two things. I would either go like, be under their care or I would walk away from them. So it is unique. It is special. It is this unbelievable relationship that really from a relational standpoint, you and I can't quite grasp that God has with Jesus within the bounds and the community of the Trinity. But he gave his only son. See, I, I, I didn't even have the time. I just was able to hold him for a little while. Able to grieve, able to absorb the moment, and then gave him back. I didn't ever see him get to see him grow up. I, I never got to see him develop. I, I never got to cultivate a relationship with him. I, I never got to teach him how to play ball or see if he could at all. I, I never got to see his reactions when I told him I loved him, and I never heard from him that he loved me. But think about that in light of God in relationship to his only son. That it was and should be held by us as an eternal impacting gift. His only son. So when I say I believe in Jesus Christ, I say I believe in the only son of God who could only do what he did and only accomplish what he did and only set us free and only free us from sin and oppression and only give us this life that we have to look forward to that oftentimes sustains us here that whoever 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 believes in him believes in him should not perish but have eternal life I believe in Jesus Christ God's only son so when I say I believe in Jesus Christ I am saying so with the truth and the understanding that there has been this otherworldly unimaginable love bestowed upon you and me this grace that we didn't deserve this mercy that we had not earned and and this love that is greater than anything we could ever absorb in this life that is Christ the person and the work of Jesus so the next time somebody asks you what you believe in and you say, and we say, I believe in Jesus Christ, this is the weight and the implication of what that carries. Colossians 1, continues. He says he existed before anything else. He old all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body, that is us. He is the begin, beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. He is first. So a God who is who a Christ who is God who is supreme over all creation, who who was the only one who could redeem mankind and bring glory to God, and that God gave Him willingly His only Son out of eternal relationship and community, so that we may be saved. Those who believe, you're saying, I believe that. Christ and God are one. There's no separation. There is no different mode or different way in which we can put them and plug them in. He's not a convenient piece when God is not acceptable and vice versa. I believe He and God are one. And then this is the toughest statement of the day I believe He is first. You know, there's that last part about his conception by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. I want to walk out of here today, leaving you with this scripture here, because maybe, uh, maybe there's someone in the room that has never heard this, and so I'll read this really quickly, but I want to come back to and then perhaps catapult us home on this idea of Christ being first. In Luke chapter 1, the Bible records this historically and theologically for us. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, Elizabeth being the cousin of Mary, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth to a village in Galilee to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings favored woman, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you, confused and disturbed as you can imagine any of us would have been. You know, you get woken up in the middle of the night or any time by an angel, and that angel says something about God being with you and, and whatever it may be, then man, don't judge Mary for her confusion and her disturbance. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. I mean, because I've I've never entered a relationship with my fiance, we've never had sexual relations. What do you mean by this? He says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of my intentions. Don't be afraid of why I'm here. And don't be afraid of what I'm about to tell you. The angel of the Lord told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You will name him Jesus. Watch this, I love how the angel and as Luke records this, I love how they switch the appropriation of who we're talking to here, watch. For you have found favor with God, he doesn't say for you have found favor based upon your own merit, you Mary have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You will name him Jesus. Watch the switch. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. In this, do you see with me where the angel says you again? Does he say you will be very great? You will be worthy of worship. You will be called the Most High. You, 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 no. Strategically switches to where all of the responsibility, all of the power, all of the worship, all of the honor rests. And that is on God and his son Jesus Christ. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High because of what? Because you have found favor with God. When you say, I believe in Jesus Christ, you are saying, by definition, that you believe in miracles, that you believe in the greatest miracle, which is the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. But you're also saying that you believe in the miracle of the virgin birth. And what's interesting and practical for us is this. Some people will say, well, I don't know how you can believe Jesus was raised from the dead. Well, let's trace it back. If I believe that Christ was conceived by the Holy Spirit and given birth to by a woman who had never had a sexual relationship in her life, and that Christ was conceived by her through the power of God, then I can walk it back and get to the belief and the faith that God, same God, who is supreme over all, could raise him from the dead. Right? So when I, not only when I say I believe in Jesus Christ to your friends, to your neighbors, hopefully, to your coworkers, to other Christians, to other people who say they are Christians. You're saying, I believe that he is God. I believe that he is one with God. I believe he is over all creation and I believe in the miracle of which God placed him on earth. I believe in the miracle of his life and of his death and of his resurrection and I believe in the miracle of my salvation and how he rescued me. Only God could do that. And because only God could do that, only God can say he will be great. And he will be called the son of the most high. And he is the only one worthy of my worship. So what does that mean for me and you? Well, if I say these things, I'm going to review them with you and for myself in the moment. If I say by filling in the blank on the wall, I believe in Jesus Christ. If I say that, and therefore by nature I am saying, and by truth, I believe he is God, I believe he is over creation, I believe he and God are one, I believe he is first, I believe in miracles, and I believe he's the only one worthy of my worship, then what's the problem what's the problem with me what's the problem with us that this person who we say we believe and that we've tried in a very limited way to present to you today that that means that that, that when we say that about Jesus this is who we're talking about and this is what that means about him if all of that is true and we believe and we know that, then why doesn't he get our life? Why isn't he first? Why does he fall hopelessly behind about 25 things in our world, and in our heart, and in our mind, and in what we do? Why does he not even rise to the level of a mediocre understanding? Why would we rather read a Facebook news feed than his word that he gave to us, his power for living in our lives and everything that we need? Why does he not even inch past the children that he gifted us with in terms of our attention and our margin and our time and our energy? Why do we spend more time with trying to figure out where we're going to get away for the weekend and what we're going to do with our leisure than we do with Christ? Why do we fight about dumb stuff in church and in the Christian community? And why do we come up with catchphrases and terms to justify our bad decisions? Why do we uh, do we treat the body of Christ as if we have no desire to be a part of it? And why do we come as infrequently as we would, I would go to my favorite restaurant that I can't afford? Why does where I'm gonna go to lunch get more consideration than this Christ? Because that doesn't make any sense. If, if I say I believe in Jesus Christ and half of that is true, about who he is, about what he's done for me, and about who he should be in my life, why this everything else, I, I don't know. I've examined my own heart this week. I've been convicted and challenged and broken over my own life and, and the way in which I am apt to, to go more toward the things of this world, more toward the things of my own thinking, more toward the things that, that are going to pass away tomorrow than toward this Christ that I say I believe in that is over all and supreme over it all and was given for me. Man. I don't understand. I don't know why, but I know this. I know that in understanding who Christ is, understanding what the Scriptures represent, understanding that I, by the Word and by what God has done in my own heart and by what He's done in your lives and by what He's done in the world, that I know it's true. And I believe. And not only do I believe I know and I I, I not only know, I understand, but here's what I wanna do with my own life. I wanna know, believe, know, understand, and I wanna make him first. I want him to be first in my mind when I wake up in the morning. I, I hope that when I wake up, if you're like me, this is the worst habit in the world, and I'm not here to be your guru today. This is the worst habit in the world. When I wake up in the morning, the first thing I do is I roll over and I look at the time. I usually wake up at the same time every day, 6.50, 6.45. Uh, if you have small kids and they go to school, that'll never leave you, unfortunately. It's impossible. Even when you go on vacation, can't sleep in. It's fun, isn't it? Wide awake at 6.50, staring at the ceiling. I'm on vacation. My first inclination is to reach my phone and do what? Look at my email. Look at some picture that someone posted about how awesome their life is. Look at some quote that some guru put on Facebook. To go for something else other than my mind and my heart being given immediately when I wake up to Christ. It is so convicting for me. Maybe you don't worry about that. Maybe, maybe you don't deal with that. Maybe your first thing when you roll up is to be in God's word and to pray and to seek Christ uh, I'm, I'm sad to tell you today that that's not always the case with me. It's, but, but considering this, that makes no sense. Considering this, it makes no sense that, that sometimes I, I don't regard him first in my decisions. I don't think about how this would honor and glorify Christ when I go to do something, both in my marriage or in my home or, or in, in my ministerial profession. Isn't that weird? that I don't regard him when it comes to my checkbook or my resources, and he's not first in that. And and, and he's not first in how I'm gonna make this decision or do this or where I'm gonna live or how I'm gonna position my life. Sometimes he's not first when I go to consider things that I'm gonna do that are gonna break his heart. Sometimes he's not first when I relate to people I want to act like I want to act, and and I want to manifest like I want to manifest. I want to treat people like I feel like they've treated me, or whatever it may be, and I don't regard Christ as first. But ladies and gentlemen, that is the essence of who he is. He can't help but be first. He is first. And then the decision, the faith, the belief, the commitment is ours we must place our faith and our belief and our commitment and our lives to this Christ because he's first, period. And because he is, I want my life to express with everything that I do, and I want your life to express with everything that you do that Christ is first when I say I believe in Jesus Christ. It can make all the difference, not only in your personal life, but in your family. Can you imagine the difference it would make with a collective group of people like this in our neighborhoods and in our cities and in our world and everywhere that we go, the joy, the peace, the hope, the service, the understanding, the goodness, the glory of God seen in what we do. Can you imagine if everybody in this room who says with their mouth and with the confirmation of their mind and with the affirmation of their heart that I believe in Jesus Christ and we actually live like we do. And he is